Well, we've been in a series called Journey. You're well aware, if you've been here for the last several Sundays, it's based on the, prodigal, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And if you open God's Word with me to Luke chapter 15, today we come to the last message in the series. Now, let me kind of rehearse where we've been, what we've talked about so far. Uh, in the first message, the, the first message was, am I missing out? That is, am I missing out on what the world has to offer? That's a question that sometimes people ask. And, and that was kind of the question that the prodigal son had. He, he wondered if there was something better down the road. He wondered if there was something he was missing by staying with his father. So the day came when he walked away from home. He walked away from the love of his father. And, and he started out for the far country. And we said in that first message that every time you stand at a crossroads of sin and obedience, you have to make a decision about which way you're going to go. That was the first message. Then in the second message, we talked about the step that every sin has a beginning. Every sin has a first step. On the front end, sin always looks enticing. It always looks fun. It always looks inviting and satisfying. But the truth is, when you take that first step towards sin, sin will always take you to places you never intended to go prodigal son did not set out for the pig pen. He set out to have fun. But sin will take you to places you never intended to go. Then in the third week, we talked about coming to your senses. Last Sunday, we talked about coming to your senses. That this was the turning point in the story. That this man, the the problems that he encountered, the fact that he was now living essentially with the pigs and had nothing to eat, that, that his problems became the, the catalyst that he needed to wake him up and help him face his situation. He decided, surely there's a better way to live my life than the way I'm living it right now. He came to his senses. Now today, what we want to talk about in this last message is this. I want to talk about coming home to God. You know, sometimes life doesn't turn out the way we thought it would, does it? You had dreams and aspirations and plans, and sometimes life just doesn't turn out the way you think it will. Maybe there's an affair or a failed marriage. Maybe you're dealing with some kind of an addiction. Maybe you're racked by guilt because of an abortion. Maybe you're struggling financially because of bad decisions you've made, or, or maybe you're just struggling with doubt about your relationship with the Lord. Perhaps you're just kind of burnt out in your walk with God and and you feel distant and far from Him. Life sometimes just doesn't turn out the way you think it will. And when you find yourself in the middle of a mess, when you find yourself in the pig pen, the question for you is this. Now that I've wasted my life, or now that I have hurt my family, or now that I have embarrassed myself, or now that I have gotten addicted, or now that I have turned away from God, how does God feel about me now? How does God feel about me now? A.W. Tozer wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Deep down, too many people believe that God hates them because of their sin. That because of the way they've lived their life, because of the decisions that they've made, because of the outcome of their life, because of what has happened to their life, they're convinced that God hates them because of their sin. That wrong view of God has probably kept a lot of Christians in the far country. 
probably kept a lot of Christians in the pig pen. So Jesus tells this story, really three stories, this, the, the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, basically to, to help us understand that you have tremendous value to God, regardless of who you are. And I'm not talking about that person who has it all together. I'm not talking about your BSF teacher who has a perfect marriage and perfect home and the perfect life. I'm talking to the prodigal right now. I know in a, in a, a group like this, there are some who are you're very close to God and your relationship with God is stronger than it's ever been. But I also recognize in a, in a group like this, there probably are some who really, you're, you're, you're the prodigal. You're struggling. You're hurting. You're living in a far country, far from your heavenly Father. And here's what I want you to hear me say. God doesn't hate you. Sometimes we convince ourselves that that's true. Because of the way we've lived, because of what we've done, because of what we've experienced, we feel like God hates us. But hear me, hear me clearly. God doesn't hate you. He hates what sin has done to you, but He doesn't hate you. I can tell you with certainty, and I can tell you from personal experience, you have not outsinned the grace of God. And you cannot outrun the grace of God. The most important part of the prodigal story was not his wild living, nor was it the day that he came to his senses, though that is an important part of the story. The most important part of the story of the prodigal son is the father's attitude when the son came home. In the story that Jesus told about the prodigal, it was the father's attitude that made the difference. It was the father's attitude that changed everything. Instead of reacting to his son in anger, instead of reacting to his son with bitterness, the father responded to his son with forgiveness. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal to teach us an important truth. Jesus wants you to understand today that when others give up on you, God never does. Somebody put an amen there? When others give up on you, God never does. So let's look at the story and you'll see what I'm talking about. Prodigal, parable of the prodigal son. We're picking it up in the middle of the story. You, you probably know the story by now. Verse 17, we find the prodigal in a mess. He's in the pig pen. It says when he came, verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, father... I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went home. That's not what the text says though, does it? What does the text say, class? He got up and he did what? Went to his father. He got up. Don't miss that. And went to his father. And the reason that's important was because he didn't just go home. He turned back to his father. And in the second half of verse 20, you understand why that's so important. Second half of verse 20 says this. But while he was a still, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. While he was still a long way off, here's the key sentence, his father saw him. 
Now, everybody look up here. Let me ask you a question. Really hard question. Why do you suppose his father saw him? Exactly. And you would too, wouldn't you? If that had been your son who had walked away, if that had been your son who had broken your heart, if that had been your son who had gone off in wild living, probably every day when you're outside, you're looking down the road, hoping today might be the day you see him coming back. And every day with a heavy heart, you'd look towards the horizon, hoping to see your son coming home. And there was one day when the father was outside and he looked down the road and in the far distance he saw him. I love the way that this text says it. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. While he was still a long way off. And look what it says happened. And was filled with compassion for him. Would you know, you might even want to write this down in the column of your Bible. He was filled with compassion, not anger. It's an important point for you to understand. When the father saw the son coming home, the son who had wasted all of his wealth, the son who had betrayed his family, the son who had turned his back on his dad and broken his heart, when the father saw the son coming home, he would, it does not say he was filled with anger. It says he was filled with compassion. And in fact, that word compassion, the Greek word there, it, it means a, a gut reaction. It means it came literally deep from within him. This feeling of compassion came from his bowels, from, from his inner part. And, and there's just kind of a, a piling up of the verbs here to, to paint this vivid picture of the love of the Father for his wayward son. It says he saw him, he felt compassion for him, he ran to him, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Felt compassion. Jesus tells the story to say, that's what, how God feels about you. God's not angry at you. God might be angry at what your sin has done to you. God does not hate you. God does not turn away from you. And when God sees you repent and return to Him, He is always filled with compassion for you. But there's something else you need to see in this. It's such a beautiful part of the story. I want you to notice the timing in this part of the story. The timing. Look at the text again. Read verse 20. Follow along. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Notice the timing. The son is too far away to express his repentance, and yet already the father's grace is present. The son hasn't yet given his speech that God or Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's got this speech memorized. But before he can even get to the point of saying anything, the father sees him in a distance, and before the son can even repent publicly, the father has already experienced love for him. In fact, the father was so overcome with love that he shred every bit of decency, and the Bible says he ran to his son. In those days, a man of dignity never ran. 
but the father ran to meet his son. And Jesus tells the story to say, that's the way God feels about you. That's the way God loves you. Whenever I read this part of the story, I always think of those videos that we see online or when you're watching the news occasionally, you'll see one of a, of a military soldier that's coming home and he, he or she surprises the family. I love, those, I love to watch those, you know, they kind of get teary-eyed. In fact, I watched one last night and I got teary-eyed watching it again. I love where the soldier just kind of walks in, he or she just kind of walks in. Unexpectedly, the mom or the dad or the husband or the wife or the kids, all of a sudden they see this soldier who's come home, sometimes it's at a ballpark, you know, there's this reunion. And every time I've seen it, every time I've seen those kind of, of videos, here's what I always see. I see them embracing and hugging and kissing and crying and celebrating. And they just grab hold of one another. And they hold to one another. And they love one another. And they're, they're just celebrating that this person is home. And that's really the picture of this father. As he runs to meet his son. The past is past. His son is home. Jesus said, when you come back to your heavenly father, he will welcome you. When you come back to your Heavenly Father, He will love you. When you come back to your Heavenly Father, He will celebrate the fact that you have come home. In July of 2008, John Smith stood before a crowd of people in Pontiac Central High School in Pontiac, Michigan. He was starting a new church that day. And as he stood before that crowd at that school, they were, they were meeting in a school, and, and he said, you know, the irony is that I got expelled from this school 14 years ago. And the story was that he, was, he got into drugs and, and he got expelled from school because of drugs and he left home. And he ended up in Florida. And he ended up in jail. Eventually his dad found out where he was and heard all that he had done. And his father, who was a committed believer... When he discovered that his son was in jail, he drove 1,100 miles from Pontiac, Michigan to Tallahassee, Florida. And he sat down and he looked his son in the eye and he said to him these words, You don't have to come home, but if you want to come home after I get you out of here, I just want you to know something. I forgive you. You can come back home and we can start over. John Smith said it was the most important sermon he'd ever heard. He eventually returned home. He eventually returned to church. And he eventually returned to the Lord. Because he heard his father say, I forgive you. You can come home. We can start over. Jesus told a story much like that. Because Jesus wants us all to understand that's the way God is. The prodigal son found out that nothing could separate him 
from the love of his father. In fact, it's, it's displayed for us in this text. Look at verse 21. The son said to him, remember he's got this speech. We talked about it last week. He, he's got this speech in mind. It's got two points. And here's the speech. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That was the first point. There's a second point. He never even gets to the second point because the, the father interrupts him in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father could tell that the son was coming back in repentance. And the father didn't even let the son finish his confession. He said, quick, let's first of all get the best robe. Probably the father's robe, more than likely. Put the best robe on him. I want everybody to know that's my boy. And then put a ring on his finger to signify he's part of our family. And then put shoes on his feet because he's not going to be a slave in my household. He's going to be my son again. The father quickly, lovingly, completely, watch this, restored him. We call it the story of the prodigal son, but I'm going to tell you something. The hero in the story is the father of the prodigal son. Because the father of the prodigal son represents God. And you may wonder, well, that's a great story, but what does that have to do with me? I believe the Lord gives us this story because he wants you and I to learn two things today. Here's the first one. Number one, God's love for you is unwavering. God's love for you is unwavering. Here's what I mean by that. God is never going to give up on you because of your failures. Jesus told the story to show you and to show me that God doesn't hate you, He hasn't given up on you, and He loves you. He hasn't written you off, He hasn't turned His attention elsewhere, God loves you. He never reaches a point where He stops hoping for your return. God never gets to the point where He washes His hands and says, I'm done with you. Now, are there consequences to our sin? Absolutely. But one of them will never be a Heavenly Father who says, I'm done with you. God will never say that to you. That's the story of the prodigal son. That God's love is stronger than our sin. That'd been a good place to put an amen. I mean, it really is. God's love is stronger than our sin. Here's what I found. When I turn my eyes away from the Lord, He never turns His eyes away from me. When I wander away from the Lord, He never gives up on me. God's love is unwavering, it's unending, it's undeserved. That's the first point. Here's the second point. God longs for you to come home. God longs for you to come home. You know, we often build up barriers in our mind, barriers in our hearts, sometimes keep us from coming home to God. We rationalize we've gone too far, we've done too much, we've hurt too many people, we, our lives are such a wreck. The guilt and the shame is very real. We've fallen into sin and sometimes it's a habitual sin. And 
And we allow our sins to keep us from going home to God. But if the parable of the prodigal son means anything, it means that you cannot out the love of your father. He wants you to come home. Now to prove that to you, I want to give you another scripture to look at. Would you go over to the left to the book of Psalm 103? Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Look at verse 10 through 14 if you're taking notes. Psalm 103, verse 10. David wrote this psalm and and he talks about God when he says, He, God, does not treat us as our sins deserve. Aren't you glad that's true? He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He, what's that next word, church? Removed our transgressions from us. And look at verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him or who obey Him or turn to Him. Verse 14, for He knows how we're formed and He remembers that we are dust. God longs for you to come home. But you need to understand something about God. You need to understand that your Heavenly Father is a God of grace. Because you won't come home until you understand that. You won't feel worthy to come home until you understand that your Heavenly Father is a God of grace. That doesn't mean that God just pats you on the back and says, don't worry about your sin, we all sin. No, no, God takes your sin seriously. And there are consequences to your sin. But at the same time, we need to take God's grace seriously as well. Let me explain to you about God's grace. Let's say that you're, that you're out on Interstate 85. What's the speed limit on 85, by the way? See, you all don't know, do you? <laughs> Same thing happened in the first service. It's like 60, 65, what is it? 60? I believe you. I believe you drive the speed limit. All right. I said 65 or 70 in the first service. It kind of gave away kind of how I drive, I think. But, uh, so let's say it's 60 miles an hour. I don't know if that's it or not. I, I'm going to have to look next time I'm driving on 85. I bet you know what it is, Brad. Is it 60? Okay. All right. It's 60, okay? Just get with me. All right, it's 60. Let's say that you get pulled over for going 80. Pretty sure, I'm not positive about this, I'm pretty sure you can get arrested for that. 20 miles over the speed limit. We've got a police officer here, I can find out for sure. But <laughs> Pretty sure you can get arrested for going 20 miles over the speed limit. But, but let's just say that you know, you're in a hurry and you're on I-85 and you're doing 80 and, and all of a sudden you get pulled over by the highway patrol. 
and he comes up and he says, Mr. Shorter, can I have, can I see your driver's license and your proof of insurance and, uh, you know, all that stuff? And we say, yes, sir, and here you go. And Mr. Shorter, do you recognize you? Now, this hasn't happened, by the way. I didn't get pulled over. Just, want, <laughs> just making this up. I just want to make sure. Mr. Shorter, do you realize that you're doing 80 miles an hour? Yes, sir. You know, I could actually arrest you for that. Yes, sir, but, you know, I am a preacher. <laughs> Even more reason to arrest you. But Whoa. Now, now, imagine if this happened. If he said, you know, Mr. Shorter, I'm in a good mood today. I'm going to let you go. I'm not even going to write you a warning ticket. I'm just going to let you go. Just try to slow down, all right? Now, is that grace or mercy? That's mercy. Mercy is, I did not get what I deserved. I deserved a ticket and or to be arrested, and I didn't get it. That would be mercy. Now, watch this. Same scenario. I get pulled over doing 80 in a 60. Officer comes up, he asks for all those kind of things, I give it to him, and he says, you know what, I'm not going to give you a ticket today, I'm just feeling in a good mood, but here's, I also noticed something else, I noticed that you're, you're sitting on E, here's $20, go get you some gas, and, and what, here, here, here's another five, get you a Pepsi while you're there too. And you look, you look like you're kind of cold. Let, let me give you my coat. Now, this is a nice coat. You're going to enjoy this coat. Now, what is that? You know what that is? That's grace. That's grace. Grace is when I get what I don't deserve. When the father said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. Grace. Grace of a loving Heavenly Father giving His Son what He did not deserve. And Jesus said, that's what your Heavenly Father will do for you. You'll just come home. You just turn your heart back to Him. He doesn't hate you. His heart is filled with compassion for you. And He wants you to come home. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, when you read the rest of the story, here's what you'll find out. But there's this big party. There's a celebration. And one of the amazing things in, at the end of this story, as they began to celebrate, the father said, For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. reminds me of John Newton who years ago wrote a song called Amazing Grace Amazing Grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost 
how I'm found. Where did he get that line? The story of the prodigal son. In fact, you see that line twice in the story because when you come to the very end of the story, the older brother is upset. The older brother represents the Pharisees, the religious people who, who are upset that God would be so merciful to a sinner. And the older brother was upset that the younger brother had come home and the father had thrown him a party. And the father said, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And I want to just say to you in closing today that God can do that in your life. That which is dead can be alive again. can be renewed and restored in your walk with God. Your Heavenly Father is waiting for you to come home and He's ready to throw you a party when you do. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank You for Your amazing grace, Your goodness to us, that You are filled with compassion for us even when we come home smelling like the pig pen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.